spending time with her husband, friends, family, including her 12 grandchildren. In her spare time, she connects and celebrates with the women involved in motorsports, taking you behind the wall about their journey of life, racing, and how they juggle everything to make it all work. Welcome to Racing Girls Rock Podcast. Strap in, window nets up, the pedals are down, and when the green flag drops, we go. couldn't produce this podcast without our many sponsors. So at this time, let's take a listen to one of our amazing partners. When you can't be at the racetrack to follow your favorite driver, log into My Race Pass on your phone and you'll be able to follow all the action no matter where you are. My Race Pass provides stunning technology to grassroots motorsports for the most data-packed, instantly updated, race-related content engaging all motorsports enthusiasts. Get live timing and scoring on race day with My Race Pass Live. Any My Race Pass track or series that utilizes transponders will have their lap times displayed in the app. You can even check out historical lap times to see if drivers are faster or slower than last year. Subscribe to My Race Pass today and tell them Melinda from the IWMA sent you. If you're looking to buy, sell, or trade the stuff that strokes your engine, anything from truck parts to classic and muscle cars, RVs to hot rods, and everything in between, then check out the official classifieds at RacingJunk.com. RacingJunk.com is the world's number one online racing and performance marketplace, the ultimate one-stop shop where you'll find what you need to rock your ride. If it belongs in your garage, it's for sale on RacingJunk.com. Log in to RacingJunk.com to find the gear you're looking for, sell your extra stuff, keep up on racing news and tech tips, and more. Again, that's RacingJunk.com. Hello, everyone. This is Melinda Russell with Racing Girls Rock Podcast, and I'm excited to have as my guest today, Pauline Dougal. Um, we met, of course, uh, uh, through social media, as I've met 99% of the ladies that have been on my podcast, but I'm excited to have her here today. We did a story about her in one of our recent magazines, so I do know a little bit about her story, but I'm still going to let her tell us in her own words. So Pauline, first, I'd like you to just share a little bit about yourself, um, where you live, what you do, um, you know, just some things so we can get to know who you are, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, sure, Melinda. It sounds great. And it's great to be on this podcast. Um, where I am right now, I'm in Canada. I'm in Canada, Ontario, and I have been living here for a while. I originally moved from Russia back in 98, and I have been in Canada ever since. So right now I live in a rural area and have a dog and a bunch of cats. So the racing background goes back to 2007. And um, how I got to that was, was like a story in its own because I was at that time still learning to drive on the streets of Toronto. I was in a big city and it was so nerve wracking. And one day my work took us to a go-kart track as a corporate event. And that has changed everything for me. And uh, so that is how my story begins. I discovered the way to learn how to drive better through go-karts. And then I discovered the racing track, which was used to be called Mossport here um, in Ontario. 
and I spent the whole summer there at the Bridgestone Racing Academy, and I was racing Reynard at that time, and it was it was so much fun, and it, it was experience like no other. Uh, if if you are part of racing, you would know that it is you once you got bitten by that bug, it doesn't go away. Right. And so for me, it was, I, I completely just uh, quit my job, went to the track, and I spent the whole summer there racing, hanging out with guys and just wrenching on cars. I learned mechanics. And as a result of that, I was able to be part of the racing teams uh, at some point. And after that, I, I remained within race. And I, I, I didn't race myself, but I was working as a scrutineer for a, a number of series after that. And then I took a break to raise a family. And I just recently kind of been coming back to the sport because I, I was missing it so much. It is something that is part of me and I love it so much. And no matter how much time passes between the times that I'm there, I'm always drawn back to that community. So when you say you're going back to it, what is it that you're going to do now in the future down the road here? Yes, yeah, so this past year, I was actually been able to go back to uh, scrutineering again, supporting the drivers in our local racing series here. And that was great fun because I love being within the community of the like-minded people. When, the pe when you don't really need to be told what is going on, everybody knows what is happening the moment they show up at the track. Mm -hmm. And that is the thing I love the most. So this summer, I have been at a number of race tracks in Ontario supporting racing series. And in the future, it depends. Um, I will likely continue participating in that regard. And I'm discovering and exploring the ways in which I can still go back racing. Um, that is still unclear for me, but somehow in the future, I, I try to figure out a way to get back into that. Yeah, absolutely. Because it once it's in your blood, it never leaves, does it? Yeah, it's, it's uh, and, and I can uh, share a little bit more of my discovery why it yes. is such a way because as I have been discovering the last couple of years, what we experience at the racetrack and racing is actually being in the zone and I can go into it more deeply, but essentially it's that state where you feel your best, you perform your best and everything is just so much better because of that. Mm -hmm. So that is why I am drawn to it. And that is why I see that other people who are in part of that world as well are also drawn to that because of that being in the zone aspect. Absolutely. Now, Pauline, are there a lot of other women that are at the racetracks that are actually racing or are involved with racing in Canada? Yes, in Canada, it's not very many. In my uh, mechanics training program, there was one other woman beside me. And usually in the past years, there only, only have been just one woman for all the other guys who have been interested in that. And the same applies to the racing series as well. There is usually a couple of women who are racing um, at the track itself, but for the majority part, it's, it's rare occurrence even though it's, it seems to be growing slowly, very slowly. But for now, it's, uh, it's less popular among women than it is among guys. And why do you think that is? Is it they just haven't been exposed to it? They haven't tried it themselves? They're not encouraged maybe to do it? What do you think? 
there's uh, multiple reasons for that that I perceive is the factor. One of them is is just not menace in general because the way that the groups of people work, the guys would usually share that amongst themselves, and the fathers usually bring their their sons to the truck, and it kind of passed on like that. And I've heard many stories of where guys were racing because their dads were so much into the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for women, it's not so much. Um, it, there's not as much awareness that there's sport, it exists and you can actually go there. Um, and, and so it becomes rare when something happens and somehow uh, a woman gets introduced to that environment. And I also think that even if they go, sometimes if the conditions are not right and they get too intimidated by the sport, they won't come back because they one of the things that I believe is our um, kind of biological propensity for self-preservation is a lot higher in women, and maybe it's over during generalization. But I think then certain respect, women always take it a lot more cautiously on the track. And that's actually been mentioned by a number of people. There's a lot more caution. And they're always afraid to get in the way because of that aspect. And so that works as slight as a deterrent for women to come back. Uh, and this is just a different approach. And it doesn't mean that women can be great. It's just the learning curve is a lot longer for women versus it is for guys. And so yeah. I think that is one of the two main reasons why there are less women in racing rather than there are guys. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, sometimes it takes a woman who has maybe a little more stronger of a personality or stronger where they're not afraid of getting in the way or whatever um, to show other women that it's possible. And, and women by nature, I think, are more cautious about some of those kinds of things, especially if they're moms, you know, and they have kids or whatever. So I, I totally agree with you that, that that's probably a lot of, of why it takes longer. You know, here in the United States, um, the women are starting to get even with the men in a lot of ways. And so I'm a little surprised that it's not as much that way in Canada, but um, you know, I don't honestly know a lot of women who race from Canada. I have a lot of Australian women that race um, and of course a lot of United States, but um, it's interesting that we need to get the word out or get the women to the track so they understand that even if it's maybe a series just for women or it's a learning series or it's a, you know, like a starter class to get women out there. Cause you and I know once they get there and if they tried it and didn't feel, didn't feel like they were um, not as good or couldn't compete, if they were in a class with other people that they were a little more even with, then I think it would really start to take off. Yeah, and I actually have two minds about that. Personally, I've always stayed away from women-only events, and I like participating in general events. Mm -hmm. For me, personally, I just like being in the normal scenario and just doing that thing, not trying to be something else or not trying to bring attention to the fact that I was a woman. Right. That was never really a plain um, effect in my mind. And the way I approach things, it, it, 
as I actually, I've been going back to that thought many times in the past. And for me, race in itself didn't actually have anything to do with me being there. And what I mean by that is that I was at the track for connection with people, for that group environment, for mm -hmm. that tribal uh, kind of connection, being in a team with people of the like mind. So race in itself was great. It was great fun, but there was almost like a reason to be connected to others and stay within that atmosphere. Right. And I think that is kind of the emphasis that needs to be put. And there are, things have been changing. There have been changing on many levels, and women are getting a lot more, um, a lot more confident in entering those levels. But I think one of the things is the interruption that family has made it has made in my life when I had a child I had to step back because simply I couldn't do it all I couldn't spend every weekend at the track and be a mom at the same time mm -hmm. it was just a precedent and I, I think it's just that needs to be brought to the attention that there will be older women who have maybe have older kids who can participate more fully because they have more time or they will be younger women who have time before they start the family. Yeah. And so that is, that is kind of the, the point where we are evolving in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the other side of that is um, women don't necessarily even have to be the driver. There's so many other things they can do to help. And, and, you know, I know a lot of women who take their kids to the track and, they set them in the hauler with color, coloring books and whatever, you know, and it's just a way of life. The whole family knows that on certain night, on Friday night, Saturday night, that we're going to the track and you take your backpack with your coloring books and your whatever and, and the little boys with their cars or whatever. And, and that's just what the family does. And so, um, you know, I think it's, it's something that you learn to manage as a woman if you have little kids. Um, and there's always people I think around that are always willing to jump in and help if somebody is really passionate and wants to be a part of the racing community. So what's your favorite thing about going to the racetrack? Yes, that's a great question. Because as I think about the tracks, the favorite thing is going there and everybody knows exactly what's going to happen it's that there is no need to break the ice well, even when the new person kind of shows up in their first season everybody from the gate knows the schedule they know exactly what's going to happen they have the schedule of the of the events the races qualifying sessions and whatnot and everybody knows the role yes there is so much clarity in that Mm -hmm. uh, if you're there as a mechanic, there's your role. If you're there as a pit crew, that's another role. If you're there as a driver, it's just all so clear. And because of that, connection between people happens a lot more effortlessly. And that is my most favorite part because when we know the rules and when we have clarity of the roles, the communication flows much easier. People, people talk about things they love. People talk about how fun it is to be there. And at the end of the weekend, they recount the stories. And so that is community without needing to set up the community. The only other comparison I have to that of the 
of the paddock is uh, the Burning Man event. I haven't been to one, but from what I have seen, it's the same kind of community where people come for fun and they know exactly what's going to happen. And that unites them in such deep, profound ways that it makes almost like a second family. Well, and, and I hear that over and over from men and women that the racing family sometimes is more of a family than their real family, even, you know, and yeah. in good and bad times, the racing family might be very competitive on the track or, you know, as the races are happening. But if anything, you know, when the good happens, we're all there to support and say congratulations. When the bad happens, people are there to line up to say, what can I do to help? And so for me, it's all about the people that I've met. Um, I love racing. I love to watch racing, but um, it's the people for me that is just my favorite part of the whole racing community. So I think that's, sounds like that's kind of where you're at as well. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So Pauline, tell me uh, a little bit about the tracks that you go to. I'm not as familiar with some of the Canadian tracks. So why don't you tell me a little bit about like where you go and what kind of tracks are they? They dirt, they're asphalt, they're, you know, uh, is it motorcycle racing? Is it car racing? Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, my uh, most favorite track is Motorsport, which is now called Canadian Tire Motorsport Park. And, and that is the road racing course, pretty famous um, yeah. since the uh, 1960s. And that is where my story starts. And it's kind of the home track. I love that. And ever since they have renovated that track, it is day and night what it used to be and what it is now. It has so much potential. There are um, races, there are original races. Sometimes the U.S. even NASCAR Pinty Series, I believe, came there a couple of times. Uh -huh. uh, we have super bikes that have been racing at that circuit. So there's just a lot happening. And there is a go-kart track right beside it and the Bridgestone Racing Academy. Um, so that is one of the tracks. Another great track we have here in Ontario is Calabogie and it is close to Ottawa. And that is another road racing track. So for me, the tracks that I have been to are the road racing asphalt paved tracks that host uh, touring cars, NASCAR, motorcycle racing, um, super bikes, etc. So, and uh, there is a, another track in Montreal, uh, close to Montreal. Well, Quebec has a number of tracks. There's a Montremblant, beautiful track. Uh, haven't been there myself, but <clears throat> from what I heard and seen, it's just amazing. There is a ICAR, which is the track built on the old airport. And that is fascinating because it's all flat and it's all concrete. Uh -huh. And uh, so that is a very different type of uh, environment. And then another one is in Montreal, where the F1 Grand Prix has yeah. been hosted a number of times. And uh, beyond that, I haven't been to any other tracks. We have a few more that are more uh, like oval tracks, but I haven't been to that. So my, my, my specialty is the road racing courses. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds so fun. So... Tell me a little bit more. You went to the Bridgestone Academy. Then what, what exactly have you done when you've gone to the track? Have you raced? What have you raced? What have you done to help other teams? Just give me a little more detail about that. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. Uh, so in 2007, I joined the uh, Bridgestone Racing Academy. And at that time, they were still racing Reynard F2000, which is a um, Ford two, two liter engine. And it was awesome. It was great fun. The cars were a little bit older, but they were still so much fun to race. We were actually, so we were in the mechanics training program. So we learned to fix those cars and then we raced those cars amongst ourselves in that program. Okay. So we had 10 races in that summer and it was the most fun because uh, it was just within ourselves, within our little team mm-hmm. um, on the smaller training driver development track. And um, it was just amazing, amazing summer, amazing experience. And after that, during that year, I also worked with a Formula BMW series at that time while they were still running. And uh, I went with them to Montreal Grand Prix that uh, summer, as well as crewing on a number of uh, teams for um, uh, ALMS series uh, in 2007-2008. So it was uh, just assisting the teams with any mechanical type of uh, work that needed to be done during the weekend. And that also was so much fun back then. And then I was part of the touring car series where I was doing scrutineering for the next four years. And that was the support for the drivers in that series to make sure that everybody was uh, equal, that um, all the rules and regulations were being followed, um, as well as providing um, support in the pit lane. So whatever support that was needed. And that, 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 was, that was the funnest experience, most fun, because we got to travel to a number of tracks uh, here around Ontario and Quebec. And another one of the trucks that I didn't mention is the Three Rivers, which is the road course built within the city of Trois-Rivières here in Quebec, which is also great fun, as well as Toronto Grand Prix, which is also a track set up within the city. And um, that was then went back to that kind of same scrutineering support for the drivers to make sure that the, and I was working with a radical series this year, providing them support so that also, all rules and regulations were followed, and that is the time when you do the check-ins for the car, weigh-ins at the end of the races, all the standard things that happen to make sure that everybody is equal. Yeah. So you've really done a, a wide variety of, of jobs in the racing. So what's your favorite thing to do? If you could just pick one. Well, actually, um, besides the racing of my now the newest thing that I'm doing is coaching people on how to get in the zone and that is my most favorite thing because in racing it's imperative that people race in the zone in that complete concentration state and so I, I have been working with people on helping them because there is science of flow state that we know which explains why we do certain things in order to get more focus and what prevents us getting into the focus. And so that work has been so rewarding to me because not only do I get in a very focused state when I'm talking to another person, but I'm also helping them. And by extension, by somebody understanding why they or how they can be more focused in race, it makes them a safer driver. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, even though safety is kind of, it's promoted and it's a very important factor people don't generally go to racing because it's safe 
they go to racing because they want to go into that complete concentration. It's important for everybody involved. We want that. So it, it definitely works on many levels. And I'm just, I, I get excited when I talk about it because there's so much going on. And I know and I can see how much is part of that um, aspect of getting in the zone and knowing how to improve it and knowing why certain things work and some things don't. And so that has been total explosion of ideas in my mind lately in like last two years. So when it comes to motorsports, that's, that's my number one fun factor. That's awesome. So what do you see yourself doing down the road? What's, what's 2022 look like for you? What do you think you might be doing? Yes, uh, so for 2022, I'm um, working diligently towards exploring this potential of how, how much can I help people understand and how much people do really want to understand about this being in the zone factor? Because if you look at Red Bull athletes, for example, and the kind of things that they do, it is absolutely insane. But the reason they can do it is because of that in the zone factor. So I'm trying to understand where do I need to go in order to help people get better at it. So I'm growing that part. At the same time, I'm uh, considering, well, how, to which extent I can continue participating in the in those racing series here in Ontario as a scrutineer. And um, also, another thing for me is that I'm an artist and I paint cars, I, I paint bikes. Um, so I'm trying to get that more into my daily life or just implement more art because mm -hmm. As an artist who have, I have given up art for many years because I didn't have time and it was just something that kind of got put away. And now I'm trying to bring it back because I see so much potential in the creativity. And so for me, it's twofold. I'm trying to help people understand how creativity helps them become more wholesome person. And also trying to add more creativity to myself so I can think better, perform better, and just have a greater life satisfaction overall. Because if somebody knows that their creativity is what is the source of all their happiness in sense. Yeah. So it has to main, be maintained. Absolutely. And, and you know, that's a well-rounded life. You can't just have one thing in your life. There has to be some other things as well. And so you know, I, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a big scrapbooker. So I, I enjoyed yes. scrapbooking exactly. for a long time. And I, I make journals and little cookbooks and all kinds of fun things. And that's my time where I don't have to really think. I can just relax. I love paper. I have a paper journal. I, I still, you know, keep appointments in my planner other than just always in my phone. I love paper. I love colored pens and all that stuff. It's just crazy. And um, I actually didn't do much crafting over the summer, but now um, I have a, my whole crafting area set up here and I'm going to get back to getting some time where I can just have the TV on to a sporting event or a HGTV and I can just craft away and, and just relax and enjoy it. And so that's kind of how I 
spend my downtime um, other than, you know, my husband and I like to go to the swimming pool. We like to go out to eat, but you have to have more than just racing. I love racing. I love the people I've met. I love um, writing stories about women. I love interviewing women, but I can't do it 24 seven because it's a lot of work and it can be exhausting. So being well-rounded is very important. Yeah, and it also brings me to the point that people's hobbies are their essence. It's what brings them joy. So my, my biggest message right now is that people need to get their hobbies and start doing them more because it improves all areas. Hobbies mm -hmm. is where our creativity lies. It might be anything. doesn't matter what it is, but whatever you call a hobby needs to be brought back into life in order to start having better ideas. And totally, I understand your uh, scrapbooking thing because it's with, with working with hands. And so it's like some people say, well, I don't have a hobby. I don't believe that. If you have hands, you have a hobby. Yeah. And there's so many things nowadays, more than ever, that you can do to pass the time and, and share and enjoy, you know, what you're doing, share it with other people. So I, I think people who say that probably haven't really thought about it very much. And and the first question I would say, well, what are you passionate about? And if they say, yeah, you know, going to the movies or whatever, maybe that's your maybe that's your hobby is seeing all the new movies. It could be whatever, but anyway, that's fun. So what what do you think? I I typically ask this question, um, what is your legacy gonna be when you're, you know, kind of at the end of the road where you're not able to work on cars or work at the track, what do you want your legacy to be? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, I, I want to make sure that the message that I have about creativity, about hobbies, about expressing ourselves fully lives on in a sense that people realize that they have potential within them to create, not just consume things, but to create as well. And that creation aspect works in all other areas and it affects them in all other areas. The reason I think one of the reasons why people have troubles with daily life, they, have, they might have mental health issues to some extent, maybe minor, maybe whatever, but it's because they're not connected to that which is creative. I think creativity is so important. And as I learned this by myself, for myself, when I put it away and I stopped being creative, everything became so much worse. Mm -hmm. And the moment I got my paints out, the moment I started painting back again and, and starting considering how can I integrate art back into my life when it's so busy, when it's so full of other things, it's imperative that we bring those joyous moments back into our lives. And that is what I want my legacy to be is for people to have a better understanding why they should even bother trying to bring their creativity out and how to do it in the most easiest way possible. Not like they have to do it, but how do they get themselves to feel that they get to do that? And that is the biggest fun factor in, in life. Otherwise, the life ceases to have meaning. So for me, as an artist and somebody who loves cars and who loves other things, for me, the meaning of life is to experience that 
those joyous moments which completely absorb us, where we lose track of time, when we stop thinking about the worries of the day, how can the person experience them the most and the most often? Because out of that, everything else will revibrate. It will be like a ripples on the pond from that one experience, all other areas of life improve. And all connections also improve because of that. So if each person started focusing on their individual hobbies, their individual passions, then collectively, I think we would be in a much better place. And, and I feel like too, when you take the time to do something that you enjoy for no other reason than the enjoyment of it, you just get a, a like kind of a, um, a renewed sense of energy and, a, and then, then you're ready to go back to doing whatever it is that maybe you do for a living or, or your job per se. Um, after you've had that break and, and you kind of can clear your mind and, and sometimes when I'm scrapbooking, I'm thinking about, oh, I should call so-and-so and interview them, or I should do this, or what, maybe I should do a podcast on that. And because I'm relaxed and I'm not focused on it, it just, the ideas come. And I think that's, that's a blessing to be able to just relax and have your little pen and paper right here where I can write down my ideas when I'm not expecting to have any ideas. Exactly. And there's actually neurobiological reasons why things like that happen. So if people were to start having more fun with their hobbies, they would actually be better at their job. So yeah, no absolutely. So um, why don't you, one thing I, I want you to tell us is how can people follow you if they want to talk to you more about what we're doing here? What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Absolutely. Uh, my favorite platform is Instagram. I'm there, my first name and last name. I also have a website, which is also my first name and last name, pauldoogled.com. And uh, those are my main ways of how I put the, the art out and how I communicate with the world okay. through my creativity. And so it's very easy to find me there, mostly on Facebook, but I'm a little less prominent there now as I have switched all my efforts to Instagram because I okay. just like the feel of that platform it's um, a bit more aligned with my artistic perception right so that is that's how people okay. can find me all right so find her on Instagram and uh, check out what she's up to so Pauline is there anything that I haven't asked you about or that we haven't talked about that you'd like to share I would say we, we talked about the major aspects of my life that are most prominent, most important for me, the racing, the art, the coaching within the parameters of being in the zone. That, that's my biggest passion. And um, other than that, it's, it's like almost like the th three drivers that are prominent within my life that in addition to family and all other types of living, is what continues my progression forward. So yeah, that's that's mostly what is right now. And who okay. knows what happens next uh, in the future, but for now that is. Awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure. And you know, like I said, I wrote your story um, for the magazine, but it's not the same as talking face-to-face -face with someone and getting to know them. Um, 
And I've really, I've really enjoyed talking to you. And, and I bet you hear this a lot, but I do love your accent. I could listen oh, to you talk. You. <laughs> you probably hear that quite often. But, um, but thank you for being my guest today. I really appreciate that you took the time to do it, um, to be on the recording. And any last words that you would like to share? It was great fun. I love speaking uh, to people about racing and about the passion. And the, the only thing that I want to emphasize the most is everybody get your hobbies out. Start doing the things that you did as a child and forgot about it because that's where your satisfaction to life. So just, yeah. that's it. That's absolutely true. So thank you, Pauline, for being on the show. And um Here's to a good 2022 for all of us. Hopefully everything will open back up and yeah. we can all go to the track and be part of racing like, like we used to be. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Racing Girls Rock Podcast. Follow us on Facebook at International Women's Motorsports Association or on Instagram and Twitter at the IWMA Nation. And if you know someone that should be on our show, drop us an email at IWMA Nation at gmail.com.